Welcome once again to the EAE podcast. I'm your host, Laura Rumbly, and you're tuning into episode number 48 in our series. The major world region of Africa is on our minds today, and specifically in terms of the continent's robust and evolving approaches and commitments to fostering innovation. According to the United Nations, Africa has the youngest population in the world, with 70% of sub-Saharan Africa under the age of 30. Against this backdrop of enormous potential, there are a range of developments and initiatives that are pushing the innovation agenda forward on the continent. Key visions for the future of Africa are encapsulated in the African Union's Continental Education Strategy for Africa 2016 to 2025 and its Science, Technology and Innovation Strategy for Africa 2024. The African Union argues that higher education underpins all development targets. Meanwhile, the African Research Universities Alliance is engaged in ongoing work to develop centers of excellence hosted by its member institutions across 13 priority thematic areas. Among other objectives, this network aims to conduct innovative, cutting-edge research that strengthens African societies and institutions, builds further research capacity in Africa, and actively connects the continent with knowledge development processes worldwide. And if we think specifically about European engagement with Africa, the early 2022 launch of the European Union-African Union Innovation Agenda offers an important roadmap for the coming period. Helping us to bring our understanding of innovative Africa into sharper focus is our guest for this episode, Ajibola Odukoya. Ajibola is Chief Operating Officer of AfroLabs, which was established in 2011 to build a community around rapidly emerging technology hubs a perfect jumping off point for us to talk about innovation in Africa. Ajibola, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, For our listeners who are unfamiliar with AfroLabs, I wonder if you could start out with giving us just a brief overview of what your organization is and does. Okay, so AfroLabs is the largest and the most diverse community of technology hubs, innovators, and entrepreneurs in the African innovation ecosystem. We are ever increasing and our our coverage is vast. So we're in 52 countries in Africa and we have um, over 340 physical hubs in Africa. And um, what this does is um, it engages the broader community of over a million entrepreneurs, developers and innovators and startups. So AfriLabs is the convener of technology and innovation in Africa. We try to influence policy. Um, we try to increase capacity building and the all-round education of why technology and innovation is important in Africa and why this is the way forward. Um, we also deal with governments as well, so they can write laws that support the startup ecosystem in their countries. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what we do. We're really the convener for information and technology. It's a very broad and very exciting agenda. It sounds like that we could talk all day about what it is yeah. you're doing and aspiring to. Very exciting. How did you personally come to be involved in AfroLabs and what does your role entail specifically? Okay, so um, personally, I've been working in private sector. I've also had some years in the public sector as well, but it's all around technology, identity, innovation. And um, I got approached by AfroLabs um to to join the team so it was more of a headhunting kind of situation 
They found and, you, it sounds like. Yeah, they found me, yes. So um, I found it really exciting because I've never worked in a nonprofit environment before and I've always been impact driven. So, and, and that, those are one of the reasons that, you know, made me leave the UK and come back to Africa because I wanted to transfer knowledge and skills, right? Um, so in my day-to-day at Afri Labs as the Chief Operating Officer, I um, ensure the Secretariat is run. So all day-to-day activities is handled by me, strategic activities as well. And I am the business mind of the organization as well. So, you know, as an NGO, easily focus and get lost in the development side of things but because of the unique um, situation Africa is in um, most of these startups and hubs also need some type of um, business structure business um, strategy to follow so they can be sustainable and to stop um, depending on aid right so I come up with all the business management um, strategies as well and implement That's really interesting and very helpful to understand about what your role is. Um, Could you say a word or two about the size of the secretariat? How many people are working with you kind of in that core group? Okay, so we have 30 people working at the secretariat, and then we have another direct um, eight staff all over Africa and indirect another 20. Very good. You mentioned coming back to Africa, and I understand you were educated in both Nigeria and the UK. Uh, In what ways do you think that combination of those educational experiences in two different countries on two different continents has added some value to your personal and educational development? So kind of a, a personal question, but then beyond that, do you see a particular role for international education to contribute in some way to Africa's innovation agenda more broadly? Yes, definitely. Um, my my story is quite unique because um, I was actually born in the UK and then I moved back to Africa. I did my secondary school there and then came back to do college, uni, and then I worked. So what I learned about, you know, education in Africa at that time, like secondary school, which is like high school, um, it really you know, puts a different perspective to things because, you know, in, in the West, things are organized and it's a certain way. But here, there's a whole lot of flexibility. And I think that's what's really driving the innovation. Um, you don't have everything you need. So you try to work your way around it or find new ways of doing things. So the creativity, I would say I got it from Africa. But then the structure and planning, um, research and innovation definitely got that from the UK and in my time in university. So the, the mix, what the mix does is it um, allows an individual to see um, life in two ways, right? So you have to develop and the develop. And then you can also know when, you know, an idea is coming from Europe. You can definitely tell if it's going to fly in Africa or not because you understand the people. You understand the, con- the culture and context. Um, and I feel, you know, that bridge is really important because uh, we need help here and the West also needs to understand Africa. Um, I was having a conversation the other day on, you know, penetrating, on, on companies coming into Africa to penetrate the market, right? And uh, I was given an example to say, uh, Africans are now at the level of, 
um, intellect. So you can't just, you know, have a marketing plan to just say, this is our product, this is where you buy it to sell it. You still have to tap into emotional things like, this is the impact it makes to the community. Um, this is the impact it makes on education. Um, th this is what we're doing. You know, it just carry people along on strategic goals of whatever product you're bringing to the market. We actually care about stuff like that as well. So it's, it's quite interesting. It's extremely interesting yeah, to understand both contexts. Yeah. And I like um, kind of what you're alluding to there, this idea of storytelling almost as a part of, yeah. of uh, product placement and, and product appeal to people and really needing to understand what are the stories that, that matter to those that, are, that are might be considering the product or service. Exactly. Af Africa is a story-based community, right? So a, a village raises a kid. Um, how does it do that? By telling stories, by telling, you know, reflecting for the past and elders passing on information to the younger ones. So you have to come in, you know, using the culture of the people. Um, I think that understanding is what is really key. Fantastic. So we have been um, keeping a bit of track of a development at a, a very macro level, which is this new EU-AU, so European Union, African Union Innovation Agenda. Without needing to go too far into, in depth into the particulars of that, which our listeners can explore at their own leisure, I wonder if you can reflect a little bit on how that large-scale initiative or high-level initiative might impact the work that you're doing in the context of Afrolabs. Okay, so um, our vision at Afrolabs is a thriving innovation economy in Africa, driven by the power of our community. And we achieve this through support and then support that we provide to the community. Um, so in turn, the AU innovation agenda is also targeting economic development on the continent. So our visions align. Um, so this makes our work easier as we facilitate cross-stakeholder collaborations and job creations within regions, Afrilabs is always happy to deal with initiatives like this. So we expect nothing from growth and development in the research and innovation in Africa. Um, one major gap that has been, you know, hurt in Africa is the lack of long-term planning. Mm. Most of um, thinking is really short-term. And that's why you don't really see a lot of um, research and development or research and innovation um, outfits anywhere because it's mainly people just look at it as risk, um, maybe deal to, you know, instability of government. So you just really don't know what can happen in Africa, really. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think it's, it's time. Technology allows us to do that long-term planning and also... Um, foster more partners and keeping everything sustainable because at least now what technology does is it brings transparency, right? Um, you can actually see the work going on and you mm -hmm. can generate reports of that. So I think the AU, um, EU-AU innovation agenda, it's, it's, it's really up our street. It aligns with our vision and, you know, we're really happy to support. Um, in addition, we also launched a the AU Tech Fellowship at the African Union. So we put in 12 technology experts to um, engage with the AU and actually work in the organs of the AU or the different departments. So the, their job is to um, refer technology ideas, 
look on how technology can you know make decision making even better and also bring the youth to the forefront of the AU. So bridging that gap between um, what happens in the AU and how the young people relate to the AU. So yeah, well, we're really happy about the initiative and we're happy to support. It's really great to hear that optimism and then those very specific steps that are being taken to affect change and really make, as you say, an impact um, in these various areas. Afrolabs, as you've mentioned in your introduction, really places great emphasis on being pan-African, a really continental um, endeavor. Can you reflect a little bit on how you're managing to operate across so many different countries with all their different contexts and cultures? As you know, that type of transnational and cross-border collaboration has really been a big part of the story in Europe in for decades now, um, first in a very commercial and business-oriented sense, and increasingly in, in the education sphere in which we're working and, and sort of broader, more socially. Um, so how can we learn from some of the things that you're learning and doing as a, as a really active pan-continental organization? Okay, so um, very interesting fact. Aside the AU, we are the largest pan-African organization in Africa. Oh my goodness, that is really quite interesting. Yeah. And it's totally organic um, and community-led, community-based. So every decision we make, we run it by the community. Um, all our board members are from the community. Um, the community elections that happens every year. Um, so everyone is always engaged. And we have an event called the Afrolabs Animal Gathering, which is a physical convening of all the um, ecosystem players and stakeholders you know, convening once a year in October. And this time around, it's gonna be in Zambia. So what we do is we use the strength of our community to keep our reach going and keep um, things realistic as well. So it's not a top to bottom um, way of passing information, it's really the community feeds us. So we react based on the needs of the community. Um, so we have a community manager, there's a, there's a community engagement department who is um, solely on you know, keeping relationships and listening to what is going on in the ecosystem. We have listening tours, we have um, country, country visits, regional visits, and we also try to, you know, Africa is massive. So we try to um, increase relationships between the different regions in Africa. So right now we're trying to link Northern Africa to Sub-Saharan Africa. Because what we've seen is um, the northern part of Africa really relates more to Europe and the Middle East, less Sub-Saharan. And then Sub-Saharan stays within the Sub-Saharan and then there's also Europe or America. But there's not enough business going on between the north of Africa and central or east or south or west. So we're trying to bridge that gap as well. And language, language is a problem as well. You have English, you have Spanish, you have French, Portuguese. Um, so we are also trying to see how we can bridge the gap and teach technology in local languages as well, just just to try and influence the man on the ground as well. So uh, and also make sure we we deliver programs that are relatable to everyone. We recently launched our AfriLabs Academy, which is um, a hub management curriculum, first in the world as well. Uh, in partnership with Stratmore University in Kenya. 
And um, this teaches um, individuals who are interested on how to build a hub, how to build an accelerator lab or an incubator lab, you know, just to deliver high quality startups in Africa. And this is um, it's an LMS pro, it's an LMS system in, and it's available in English and in French. So we do have plans to, you know, provide it in, in Swahili and Spanish and Portuguese as time goes on. But yeah, we are always about the community and that's what really makes us fantastic. A lot of organizations have actually tried to, you know, to do what we're doing. Try to, a lot of money has been, you know, spent to replicate AfriLabs, but it can never work because um, that is done on an agenda basis, but what we're doing is on the community basis. So it's very, very organic. The power of that community engagement, I, I think, is extremely um, important for us to keep in mind, isn't it? And very interesting, the comments you have about the um, the importance of language, you know, thinking through how, how that communication will happen and thinking within the region in very particular ways. So there's a lot for us to, to watch and learn, I think, from what you're doing. Really exciting. You yeah. have mentioned your annual gathering in October. I wonder in 2022, what is the planned focus for that meeting? And what are you most looking forward to when it comes to that event? Oh, yeah. So um, really and truly what happens at the annual gathering is a lot of people um, know about each other based on work they're doing, but no faces to the names, right? You, uh, you're not really engaged physically with, with the people you work with. So this is an opportunity for people to actually meet. And we also do a ecosystem tour. So wherever country we're hosting, so this year is in Zambia, um, we go on tour of the ecosystem there. So we look at their hubs, look at their businesses, look at their startups. And other, other um, hubs and startups from other regions, they have the opportunity to learn and see what's going on in this side and adopt some other ideas. So this year, the theme is Intra-Africa Connectivity, Collaboration and Innovation. So this is in line with the um, free trade agreement that's been signed by African countries and also just trying to ensure that Africa really trades within itself and you know uh, and, and foster collaboration um one thing about the african education system which i have a problem with is very um individualistic so it's it's not collaborative and that's one thing i learned you know um studying in the uk as well you know you get into study groups it's more of a team kind of building team spirit kind of um approach but here, it's mainly you do your project and then you submit it. If you pass, that's good. The whole collaboration um, aspects of things are not really stressed on. So we are trying to build that into our framework, into the, you know, the new Africa, right? Ensuring that everyone is connected and everybody collaborates. And um, what we're also doing to, to um, expand the scope is something called the AfriLabs One Data Platform. So what this does, it's, um, so just for the imagination of the listeners, right? it's a bridge between LinkedIn and Alibaba. So, <laughs> that yeah. does set a scene in my head. Yeah, exactly. So the LinkedIn side of things will be, imagine your news feed is all about what's happening in the African innovative ecosystem, right? So it's a one window where you can actually see what's going on. 
uh, hubs would post, startups would post, um, stakeholders such as academia, um, development agencies, governments, everyone has a profile of it. And anything related to the tech ecosystem is posted there. So all the information is coming in real time, which is one of the biggest problems in Africa is um, the availability of data and the ability of clean data as well. Mm -hmm. So this is data generated by the community for the community. So it's 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 really real. And then the other side of things would be the marketplace. We do realize that Africa is bringing out a lot of technology, a lot of new ways of thinking. But because of um, the region, um, the gap in, in financial powers, we can't really market these tools to the world. Um, we just don't have the marketing spend or the budget. So, um, so this marketplace would, you know, allow indigenous developers and programmers sell their products or services on this platform, and it's viewed by the people who they really need to, you know, um, advertise to. So it's it's targeted at the users of these kind of softwares or the resellers of these type of softwares. For example, governments always look for um, technology to adopt and they might have, you know, a local technology who can do the problem even better than national one based on context and understanding. But the um, local um, company cannot market its product to the government, right? Just doesn't have the budget to. But now with this platform, they can easily see what's going on and, you know, and then the trust of it being powered by Afrilabs, um, it reduces a whole lot of risk as well. So, you know, we're, we're trying to do a lot to, you know, to ensure that the connectivity, collaboration, innovation within Africa and to Africa um, grows as, as quick as possible. You know, the words learning, growing, collaborating, innovating, they're just swirling in my head as you talk about all the things that you're working on. And it's extremely exciting to see these initiatives blossoming really rapidly, you know, through the networks that you're working with. Ajibola, thank you so much for taking time to give us more insight into what's going on specifically within Afrolabs, but in this broader ecosystem of innovation and innovators that you're working with. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. That was Ajibola Odukoya, Chief Operating Officer of Afrolabs a Nigeria-based pan-African organization that envisions a thriving innovation economy in Africa driven by the power of community. Our session notes include links to Afrolabs and some of its key publications, along with a link to a previous EAE podcast focused on Africa's internationalization agendas. If you're listening to this episode before the 2022 EAE Annual Conference and Exhibition, you may also want to take note of a session at the conference that you might like to attend titled It's Time for Africa, Partnerships Between European University Alliances and African Institutions. Speaking of the EAE Annual Conference and Exhibition, we'll be gathering in Barcelona for that event in just a little less than one month's time. And in our own ongoing effort to innovate, you can most certainly join us virtually if you can't be there in person. Our extensive virtual offering will include live streams of the opening and closing plenaries, round-the-clock poster sessions and coffee corners, and a selection of on-demand sessions that will also be screened live during themed broadcasts during the conference days. You'll be able to connect and chat with both virtual and in-person participants throughout the event. 
Indeed, the online event platform will offer the opportunity to conduct video meetings with other participants for a full three-week period, beginning in early September before the conference begins and extending to a full week after the conference concludes. Regular registration for both the in-person and virtual conference ends on August 26th, so do act now to secure your place before the late fees kick in. Our website contains all the details. Please visit www.eaie.org. And please join us for another EAE podcast in just two weeks' time. Until then, all good wishes to you from the EAE.